This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Hello and welcome. I'm Cassandra Baldini with Financial Standard. As we all know, the COVID-19 pandemic has had a huge impact on the employment market, especially when it comes to salaries. So what can financial advisors expect in terms of job opportunities and remuneration in 2023? Today, I am joined by Viver Recruitment Group Chief Executive Christopher Gordon. Chris, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Cassie. You've specialised in financial advice recruitment for over 12 years. Given your experience, how different is the market today compared to when you started out? Well, thanks, Cassie. It's, um, it's very different, actually. Um, when I started out, there was, there was consistently over maybe a thousand open jobs on jobs boards uh, within financial advice across Australia. Today, that figure is generally between um, maybe 150 to 200. So I suppose one of the biggest changes is the size of the market. You know, we're now much more niche. It feels that way anyway. Uh, The first five to seven years of uh, my time within recruitment, the banks, uh, one or two larger financial services businesses, they had an enormous market share. You know, they were very aggressive with their growth and hiring of advisors. Uh, education was not a requirement. And so from a business uh, or employer point of view, that's changed massively. So we've seen numerous changes over the years. Uh, advice remediation, of course, has been another one. And what about trends? In 2022, one common theme was the Great Resignation, which some now call the Great Regret. What else can you expect for this year? Well, across financial services, the great resignation didn't quite hit the heights of other industries. You know, it wasn't as bad as perhaps what we were reading. Now, for this year, we do generally see quite an increase in jobs uh, and job seekers through January and February. The coming months are quite a busy time in recruitment. And again, around June, July time, that's quite common. Now, for the industry, uh, we have seen a drop-off in remediation and risk and compliance positions. We feel the industry has got across so many challenges. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and companies are looking to hire the more traditional roles of advisors and support staff. And with a shrinking pool of advisors, could it be assumed that they are in a spot to command a bit of a premium? I mean, what are the salary expectations? We have seen an increase in salaries for advisors. Um, you know, at the senior level, it's dependent on what they can bring to the table too. With regards to funds under management, number of clients, ongoing revenue, and so on. It's a less experienced level. It would also depend on years of industry experience. Uh, for example, you know, does the person have a power planning background? Are they quite technical? So, yeah, we've seen an increase in salaries for advisors across the board, but especially at the senior level and experienced associate level. So there's a bit of a difference there, obviously, between someone who's got that 10 years experience. Those, you know, those salaries are being boosted up. Um, But professional year advisors, I mean, is it still pretty normal as to what can be expected? Um, We have noticed an increase at, you know, associate or junior advisor level, but they are a bit more realistic, I suppose, as their priority is to find a business. 
they will help support the professional view if needed, their career development, and, and somewhere that perhaps has a clear career path. Um, you know, what we have noticed, businesses that are offering that have a bit more of a success rate when hiring. Someone with 10 years experience will have more options, and then there's a lot more room for them to negotiate. Can you give me a bit of a ballpark figure at that starting level and at, you know, perhaps the more towards the top? Yeah, look, it's, it's quite a broad range. So from a salary point of view, let's say an associate advisor that's in their early stage, it could be around the 70 to 90K range. An experienced associate, they may have a strong power planning background, you know, good industry experience. They could be anywhere from 80 to maybe the 110 base range. And then senior advisors, a good benchmark is perhaps 140 to 160. But a senior advisor that can bring clients, they can bring referral partners with them. They're probably in the high 100s, low 200s range. And what about outside financial benefits? Is there anything firms are doing to sweeten the deal to match that growing demand? Work from home still seems in high demand. Uh, There are still numerous client meetings done through Zoom and Teams. And there's certainly less face-to-face activity than two to three years ago. So work from home, people still have expectations around that. Also, if a business can hand over clients to get advisors up and running, or maybe guarantee a certain number of leads to, to maybe supplement their own network, that's also a big plus for advisors as well. And of course, advisor support. You know, does the business have power planning, associates, client service support? Uh, so the advisor can focus on their clients. Uh, a lot of advisors have high expectations around this. We know there's a market shortage um, across the board in terms of you know most roles, particularly in financial advice. It's very it's it's even more of an issue because there's, as we discussed before, a shrinking pool. But to what extent is there an alignment or misalignment in expectations of employers versus employees? Employers' expectations have changed slightly. Uh, most know the challenges with finding candidates at the moment to fit into their business. So perhaps they've become a little bit more flexible. One challenge employers are currently having is getting staff back to the office. It's quite hard for a business to demand five days back in the office now, although it is an expectation for some, where employees are looking for some sort of flexibility. Yeah, I can imagine that if you're with a company that's expecting you to be back five days and you've got all these other options of, you know, flexible working, it'd be really hard to return to that kind of structure. Absolutely. Um, With advice firms, they can be based anywhere across Australia, you know, mm. not only CBD, but regional locations. So to cut back on some travel to pe- for people. And as I said, you know, I'm still quite surprised how many advisors are actually doing client meetings virtually, uh, you know, compared to two to three years ago. So there's definitely an expectation there for most, not everybody, but for most people to have that work flexibility. There's been a lot of discussion in recent years about the need for more female advisors, with recent data pointing to senior female advisors being in high demand and earning the highest salaries. Are you seeing this? 
Female advisors are definitely in high demand, but I'd suggest salaries would be similar uh, with most businesses. You know, they have certain benchmark around salaries, salaries across their teams. So we are slowly seeing an increase in female advisor numbers. However, there's still a long way to go. For example, 51% of accountants are female, and we really need to hit those numbers within advice. Have you ever placed an advisor in a firm and it just didn't work out? And if so, what are the reasons and where do they go? This is quite rare, but with any job or industry, it can certainly happen. I try to minimize this by covering as much as possible through an interview process to ensure all expectations are met from both sides, the business and the candidate or the job seeker. In some cases, what we have seen is may, uh, maybe a business changes expectations or likely a new hire feeling it might not be the right culture for them. An example is perhaps moving from a large business to a small one. You know, the large firm may have clear guidelines on responsibilities where a small company may have a wider expectation. So maybe, you know, not the support the advisor has been used to, and that's probably one of the more common ones. Based on the quality advice review proposals, we can expect super funds will build out their capabilities. What trends are you seeing in this space? Well, this could be a big one. You know, super funds will likely continue to focus on intrafund or general advice and have a dedicated team for comprehensive advice. We believe the growth of super funds will be more, more around the general advice space. And this may also be a topic for the banks or insurance companies to get a foot back in the door as well. You know, the QAR proposal, it may take a couple of years to implement, but we are having an interesting couple of months ahead and we're looking forward to the outcome. Shifting to power planning, with the possibility of the removal of statement advice, again, following the quality of advice review, do you think there'll be less demand for those roles in-house with more firms outsourcing this work? There is already less demand uh, for in-house power planning than maybe you know three to five plus years ago, with numerous firms now looking to outsource. But what we have seen over the last couple of years is the power planning role being balanced into more of an associate type position. So still having a focus on SOA generation, but perhaps working more closely with advisors and their clients and now just having more responsibilities. And generally speaking, are there many jobs out there for advisors and how easy or difficult are you finding it to recruit for these roles? Associates with power planning skills are at a premium. They are in high demand currently, and we feel that will likely be the case through 2023 as well. There's a, there's a high need for it. It is a candidate short market. So, yeah, you know, we are finding it difficult to, you know, we can't just put an ad on a jobs board, for example, these days uh, and have 10 ideal candidates apply. Mm-hmm. We have to use our network. Eight out of 10 placements or vacancies filled. They're normally sourced through word of mouth uh, and passive job seekers. So, you know, it has its challenges. I suppose that's why you need a, a recruitment firm that knows what they're doing. Last year, the big theme was the ball being firmly in the employer's court. Is that still the case in 2023? In some cases, yes. So 
Some candidates can get new in this office, but the last thing an employer wants is to, to get into a bidding war on salary. What I would say is interviews are now definitely two-way. Uh, I've even had clients suggest they felt like they were being interviewed by the prospect, not the other way around. So a company looking to hire, they need to ensure the value proposition is strong. And as there will be competition, but a business needs to do their checks and ensure it's right for them too, or this could create bigger problems than not hiring at all. It almost seems this new market has put employers and employees on the same page in terms of that interview process. I mean, as you said, it's like they're both interviewing each other to make sure it's a right fit because of um, our labour shortage. Absolutely. It's changed a lot over the years. You know, you felt going into an interview, you had to go in and really sell yourself, but it's certainly both ways now. Yeah. The company has to show the candidate, the prospect, the job seeker, why it's the right fit for them as well. And we've certainly seen, yeah, two-way interviews are very, very common. And I guess, you know, with the idea of getting more people back into financial advice, is there any sort of advice you would have for those who are looking to get back into market? The end of last year, um, and speaking, you know, attending advice-related functions uh, and speaking to advice firms, both large and small, there seems to be, it's quite an optimistic market now. There seems a lot more positivity around financial advice. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with QAR. Mm -hmm. They're looking to to make advice cheaper, provide advice to a, a much broader range of clients, I suppose. So it just feels now is the time where, you know, the industry's got over a number of hurdles, but it's quite optimistic. There's quite a lot of growth there. And and it's it's exciting, you know, that the the industry events at the end of last year was very positive and it's probably different now to where it's been over the last two, three, four years. And is there any sort of market outlook for 2023 that you can give us? 2022 was quite a steady year. Uh, there seems to be a lot of merger and acquisitions. That's how most businesses are growing or looking to grow. And that will continue for this year too. We've been quite light on leadership roles across the industry. And remediation projects have certainly pulled back now, which is good. What I will say is, um, yeah, you know, we we can see, we can see the more advisor, advisor support roles, they're starting to grow more, becoming more common. We, we feel that the risk compliance, definitely remediation, that's now pulled back slightly. Well, it's definitely going to be very interesting year for financial advice. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 